And the, the title of the message is, What do you have in your house? What do you have in your house? What's in the house? I visited a home years ago. It was like probably over 20 years ago I visited a home. And when I came into the living room, it was, it was really unique. They had, they had a tire swing in their living room. <laughs> and uh, it's like, wow, that's the first time I've seen a tire swing in a living room before. And you could tell they used it because it was pretty cleared out around the area of the tire swing. So, you know, it's, uh, it's amazing what you'll find in homes. We went to another home, again a long time ago, and uh, I think it was Lori that was in the bathroom, and uh, they had nice skylights, beautiful home, nice skylights and stuff, uh, but she happened to notice that there was a large lizard in, the, in the, the plant hanging from the skylight. I guess they had an iguana about this long or so, and they had just forgotten to mention to us there was an iguana running around their house, but, but Lori did notice it, and... Uh, you held yourself together very, very well. <laughs> What's in your house? Actually, have you ever had a horse in your house? Did you ever tell your dad that story? Had I ever told the story, told the story to you guys? When Lori was young and uh, she was staying with her dad out in Washington, um, and there, she had a horse there. And so she was riding the horse, and it kind of walked up to the house, and her dad was gone at the time. And she wondered, huh, I wonder if it'll go inside. <laughs> so she rode her horse through the front door and rode it around the house. Wondered, what's in your house? <laughs> What's in your house? <laughs> yeah, I can imagine if your dad had heard that story. Yeah. Well, we're in 2 Kings chapter 4. And again, we're going to talk about what, what do you have in your house? This is a message that uh, you can apply personally today. It's also a message that we can apply as a church today. What do you have in your house? What's in the house? Lord, I ask, Father, that you'll just help me to share the things that, uh, that you want me to share, Father. And Lord, that your word will just be very clear. Your heart will be very clear. And all the things you want to accomplish today would be done, Father. And we just thank you for that, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to read through this story together. We'll kind of take it a little bit at a time. <clears throat> but here's the first part of it. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Uh, here, here's a mom that's about to lose her two sons. And she's already lost her husband. There was a great need. I mean, this was a huge need. Her husband had been part of the company of the prophets. So what was that? There were groups of prophets at this time, mostly located in about three areas, Gilgal, Bethel, and Jericho. And uh, many of these prophets were students or disciples of better known and more experienced prophets. And so there was like a training. They were, prophets were training prophets to bring the word of the Lord to the people of Israel. And, and her husband was a part of the company of the prophets. He had a reverence for the Lord. But he died. 
And he owed money. He owed so much money that his family did not have the means to pay off the debt. He was gone. They didn't have the money to pay off the debt. And now the creditor, the person who's owed the money, is coming and says, if you can't pay off your debt, I'm taking your sons. They will become mine to pay off the debt. And you might think, oh goodness, that seems rather harsh. Well, at that time, those things happened. I wanted to share another place. It won't be on the screen. But in, uh, when Nehemiah, was he, he went back to Israel. Israelites had been... Uh, taken captive because of their disobedience and so on, uh, Babylon, and eventually they were able to return. Nehemiah eventually is able to come back, and he's going to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem again. He's set up as a governor over the area. And it says this in Nehemiah 5. When he got there, people were coming to him. And it said, Others said, We've mortgaged our fields, vineyards, and homes to get food during the famine. And others said, We've already borrowed to the limit on our fields and vineyards to pay our taxes. We belong to the same family and our children are just like theirs, yet we must sell our children into slavery just to get enough money to live. We've already sold some of our daughters and we're helpless to do anything about it. For our fields and vineyards are already mortgaged to others. So this kind of thing happened. Okay, and Nehemiah was very upset about it and he sets things straight after that. But this woman is uh, in a very difficult place She had a great need. And sometimes we find ourselves in a place where we have a great need also. And it it can be a variety of things. It can be like this woman. Huge financial need. You know, how are we going to get through this? They can be physical needs that people encounter at times. It's like, oh my goodness, look what I'm dealing with here. It can be emotional. It can be relational. There's all kinds of needs that can be great. But we see in this first verse that this woman cries out to Elisha. Now, who's Elisha? Elisha is a prophet. Um, He had actually been serving under Elijah, who was a very famous prophet over Israel. God did many mighty things through Elijah. And Elisha helped him. When Elijah's ministry was done, that mantle and anointing came upon Elisha. And now he became this prophet that God was using in mighty ways to, to bring his will and his power to the people of Israel. And so uh, Elisha is a prophet and this woman comes to Elisha because her husband had been serving under Elisha, one of the prophets. She's wise enough to bring her need to the Lord. And we talked about that last week in, you know, uh, the whole message, okay? So um, she's wise enough to bring her need to the Lord. Whatever our needs may be, we need to bring them to the Lord. And sometimes you need to do it more than once. You know what I'm saying? Bring your needs to the Lord. I want to share a passage just because I think it's it's a great passage. In 1 Peter 5, starting with verse 5, last half of verse 5, it says, God opposes the proud. Now, it, it doesn't say God is irritated with the proud. It said He opposes the proud. Can you imagine God opposing you? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. God opposes the proud, but gives grace, gives his favor to the humble. 
Humble yourselves. It's not like somebody's born proud and somebody's born humble. No, 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 no. We, we go through life, we become whatever, but we can actually humble ourselves. If we're dealing with pride issues, we can say, okay, God, I want to humble myself. I want to get this in order. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that He may lift you up in due time. Pride, we're trying to lift ourselves up, and God says, no, humble yourself. Then I'll be the one who will lift you up. And then verse 7, cast all your anxiety, cast all your care upon the Lord. Why? Because He cares for you. He cares for you. God isn't just wanting to do what's right. He cares for you. So God knew this woman's need. God knows our needs. He cares. So the second point is this. What do you have in your house? What do you have in your house? Back to the text, 2 Kings 4, verse 2. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me. What do you have in your house? Elisha asked her to think about what she already had. What does she already have? Elisha didn't ask her to think about what other people had, which sometimes is what we do. When we're in a difficult time, we're thinking, why don't I have what my neighbor has? Why don't I have what the person up on the hill has? Amen. Elisha didn't tell her to think about what other people had. He says, what do you have in your house? And uh, at first, she thought she had nothing. That's kind of the first thing that came to her. Okay, what's uh, same verse, but a little different bold print there. So, what do you have in your house? The first thing she says is, your servant has nothing. I've got nothing there at all. This widow and mother, who's in a really tough spot, could only see what she didn't have. And I want you to think about that. If you're in a difficult time right now, are you thinking about what you don't have? Because that's really not where we're supposed to be focusing. She didn't have a husband. She didn't have enough money to pay the bill. Evidently, she didn't have enough stuff to sell. You know? She couldn't pawn it. It wouldn't pay the bill. So at first she's thinking, I've got nothing. Nothing. But then, and it must have happened pretty quickly, she says, except a little oil. I do have a little bit of oil, probably more than this, but this is what I have this morning. Probably, uh, you know, there's a jar cooking oil, try to, you know, provide food, make food for the kids, bread, whatever. But she thought, what good is a little oil? What good is that going to do with how huge my need is? Sometimes we can think, you know, what good is the little money I have? I mean, the bill is so big and the money that I have seems so small. It's just a little oil. What good is this little ability I have? The needs are so big and I, I just have a little ability. 
We could apply it in a lot of ways. Sometimes churches can think that way. Sometimes churches don't really attempt too much, they don't attempt anything too big because they don't think they have much. What do I have? All I've got is just a little oil. Sometimes, uh, you know, a church might say, well, we don't have a, a bunch of paid staff, so how can we really impact our community? And the Lord would say to any church that had that thought, He would say, What do you have in your house? What do you have in your house? Well, we don't have a full-time youth pastor. We're not, we can't hire a full-time youth pastor. And other churches have full-time youth pastors. And we don't have one. And, and the Lord would say, What do you have in your house? Lord. And I'm not talking about us, let me tell you. But we are very blessed. Lord, our church just has a little oil. And I believe the Lord would say this. He would say, And it's the oil I gave you. And that little oil is more than enough for my kingdom to go forward. Do you believe that? Do you believe that we've got what it takes in the house? We need to believe that. We have what it takes to do what God has called us to do. Not because we're trying to find a bunch of people elsewhere to bring them in as experts. It's in the house. It's in the house. God's kingdom will go forward. I'm convinced that the Lord has given us, let's just make it personal, has given us as a church all it needs to do big things. It's in the house. It's in the house. And you know what? You are the oil. You are the oil. No, pastor, you're the oil. No, 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 no. You're the oil. I'm just supposed to equip the saints for the works of the ministry. You're the oil. So, what I want you to do right now Turn to the person on both sides of you and say, You're the oil. (laughs) Hey, you can point at anybody you want to and tell them, Hey, you're the oil, man. You are the oil. (laughs) And we're not talking used oil here either. We're talking fresh. Fresh oil. That's what the Lord gives. Fresh oil. I want you to say this with me. We are enough. Oh, you said it after me. I want you to say it with me this time, okay? We are enough. You know what? What do you have in your house? I, I thought that was cool when the Lord was kind of showing me this stuff. Actually, He showed it to other people. I've heard messages, so that helped me. But anyway. Never have the attitude. Never have the attitude that someone else is the oil. You are the oil in the house. You are. And if the Lord has directed you here, if you're saying, man, I just feel like the Lord wants me to come here, this is where I feel like He wants me to be, then that's awesome. 
That is awesome. I rejoice with that. But he brought you here to be the oil. It's going to help meet the need. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay, point two. We got through that really quick. We're going to move right on to three. Here we go. What was in the house was able to meet the need. Now I'm going to get kind of personal here. You know, as a church, but then I'm going to get a little personal also. God used the little to accomplish much. And has He not done that many, many times? I mean, God is able to use the little to accomplish much. Paul was even writing in Corinthians and he said, You know, not many mighty and noble have been called. That's, I mean, but God just uses plain people to accomplish much. So let's go to, uh, it's up there for you, verses 3 through 5. Elisha said, Go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. So she left him and afterwards shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she just kept pouring. That little oil just kept filling up container after container after container. It was awesome. It was awesome. So let's apply this to some other areas. It's been concerning her finances. Let's Let's talk about yours. The finances the Lord has given you are enough to meet the need. Pastor Mike, you are being silly right now because you don't have a clue what my finances look like. I don't have enough money to pay the bills. The oil is too little to meet the need. Well, let me get personal here. Don't get mad at me. Okay? Promise you're not going to get mad at me. Amen. There was like four promises there, okay? So I assume the other, everyone else in your head, you're thinking, okay, Pastor Mike, I promise I'm not going to get mad. Have you put God first with your little? Now, this is really important. This is really important. Pastor, I just have a little. That's fine. Have you put God first with the little? Because there's a difference between God's blessing being on your finances and God's blessing not being on your finances. There's a difference. There really is. If you aren't tithing on the little... God's blessing is not on any of it. Well, what's this tithing thing? Tithing means 10%. It's like, God, you provide for me, you give me jobs, you give me the ability to work, and I honor you with the first 10% of my increase. It's yours. It's, it belongs to you. There's a whole... I think I need to read some scriptures on this one because it's, it's really exciting. Israel had a really important lesson to learn because they stopped putting God's house first they were taking care of their needs first and then maybe they brought something to the Lord's house and, uh, and the, the prophet Malachi comes 
with a message from the Lord to Israel. Okay, and we're going to look at that. And it'll be in Malachi chapter 3. And it's a fairly lengthy passage, so we'll, we'll just look at it all the way together. <clears throat> Malachi 3, starting with verse 7. Now this is the Lord speaking, but he's speaking through the prophet Malachi. Ever since the time of your forefathers, you've turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? God, how are we supposed to return? We don't even know what you're talking about, God. How are we supposed to return? And then God answers, will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. Now to me that sounds dangerous, trying to rob God. Okay, but he's probably got a pretty good alarm system. But you ask, well, how do we rob you? What are you talking about, God? How do we rob you? Now this is the Israelites responding. And then the prophet responds, in tithes and offerings. You're robbing me. You're putting all of your needs first and maybe not bringing anything into my house or bringing a little, maybe whatever. Well, let's just read on. God's word will speak for itself. Verse 9. You are under a what? Now that just doesn't even sound nice. You know what I'm saying? I've never heard the word curse and felt fluffy feelings. You know, it's just always, it's a hard word. It's a hard word. You are under a curse. The whole nation of you. Israel, your whole nation is under this. Because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe. 10%. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. That there may be food in my house. Put my house first. Test me in this. It's the only time I really can see in scripture where God says, test me. And he said, in this one, in your finances, test me. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. He's basically saying, the enemy is stealing your finances. You, you save up five, you lose ten. But it's because you're not putting me first. My blessing isn't on your finances. So now, you're, this is Old Testament. We're, we're free from, well, yes, I, that is in the Old Testament. Tithing, goodness, tithing was seen in Scripture even before the law was given. Abraham tithed and, and Isaac tithed. And there's a whole, I mean, when you study tithing, it's pretty interesting. I'm thankful that God said 10%. Because it's just so easy to figure. What if he had said like 12.2%? You know? It's like, got to bring a calculator to church all the time. He just said 10%. Thank you. And 10%, that's just like the starting point. I, you know, when I first started going to church after I became a Christian, they did this funny thing. They, they handed plates to one another in church. Think of if you've never gone to church and you go and there's the plates. It's just weird. Churches do weird things. And people are like reaching in and throwing money in it. It's like, wow. That's kind of different. But I'm a new Christian and I guess if that's what we do, that's what we do. So I threw my buck in. 
you know, I just threw my dollar in. Just Then I heard about tithing. And, you know, 10% of what I made was not a dollar, okay? So I said, well, man, if God's word says that, I'll just do it. You know, we've done it my whole life. God is faithful. When his blessing is on your finances, it's awesome. It's awesome. Let's just look at some other verses on giving. And um, this, Jesus said this in Luke 7. It's not talking specifically about finances. It's just talking about giving in general. Basically, it's talking about sowing. You know, whatever you sow, you're going to reap. You know, whatever seed you cast onto the ground, that's what's going to come back. So he said, do not judge, and you will be judged. Do not condemn, and you'll, you will not be condemned. Excuse me. Forgive. Man, if you're sowing forgiveness, you're going to reap it. If, if you forgive, you'll be forgiven. Verse 38. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. If you're, if you're giving this with a thimble, you know, well then it'll come back. Thimbles. If you're giving as a bucket, then be careful, it'll come back. Okay. Well, this is just a get-rich-quick scheme. It wasn't some evangelist trying to make a buck that said that. Who said that? Jesus said those verses. I think his motive was good. I think it was good. He's basically saying, I want to bless you. But in my kingdom, what you're sowing is what I will multiply back to you. And we want to have a pure heart. I think I'll give some money, so I'll get some money. Well, then God has to deal with the motives of our heart, okay? I want to bless people. I want to give. I want to help. And God says, I'm going to give back to you. Because you're not hanging on to it and just stockpiling it. It's flowing through you. It's flowing through you to others. Well, let's go to one other one. 2 Corinthians 9. Now, this isn't tithing. It's not a tithing scripture or anything. But Paul was concerned about the need of some Christians that were, they were like in poverty. So they were in a very difficult situation. So he was, when he was traveling to churches, he was telling them about this need or writing to them about this need and saying, you know, let's, let's help these people. They're, they're hurting, so let's help them. And, uh, and he writes about this giving in, in 2 Corinthians 9. He said, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he's decided in his heart to give. Yeah. What's in your heart? What would you like to do? Not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a... What? He loves a cheerful giver. He loves a cheerful giver. And God's able to make all grace, all favor, abound to you. The word abound, abundance, abound to you. So that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. I meet the need, God brings back. I meet the need, God brings back. I meet. See, it's not about us possessing and amassing. In his kingdom, it's, it's giving and receiving. Giving and receiving. So, all that to say, 
Pastor, I got a great financial need and the oil is little. Well, just make sure that the oil that is little has God's blessing on it. Okay? Make sure it has His blessing on it. Tithe. Give. Be generous. And God says, test me in this. See if I won't open up the windows of heaven. See if I won't rebuke the devourer that keeps stealing your finances all the time. So, the little is enough, people. The little, be thankful for the job you have. Serve the Lord with all of your heart with that job. Tithe. Give as God directs. See what happens. Did I mess with that one long enough? <laughs> the abilities the Lord has given you, they're enough. They're enough. Whatever ability God has given you or abilities God has given you are important. They might seem small to you. God, I can only do this. And God says, I know. I gave it to you. That was my gift to you. Now use it. But it's just small. Yes. Use it and see what happens to it. It'll get bigger. Use what he's given you. Then increase comes. I'm not going to do anything until I can do something great. Well... I don't know what to tell you. Start with what you can do. Start with what you can do. Nobody meets all the needs. They're too big. There's too many needs. And God didn't make a superman or a superwoman that can meet all the needs. It just does, doesn't exist. But as each one just does their part, God says, I knit everything together. I join everything together. And the whole body just builds itself up in love. And the will of God is done. So, just be faithful with what you have. The oil is enough. The oil is enough. Even if it seems small. Is this message okay? Is it doing alright? Okay. Alright. Let's look at another verse here. I love this one in 1 Peter 4. Talking about giftings, abilities. Each one should use whatever gift he's received to do what? Serve others. That is the main reason for the giftings the Lord has given you. Okay? If you've got a gift that enables you to make quite a bit of money, praise God. That's awesome. But ultimately it is for serving others. And it's not just for yourself. Each one should use whatever gift he's received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. That is, that ability you have is the favor of God, His grace on your life with that thing. It's His favor. I've told you before, I tried being a mechanic. The grace of God was nowhere near me when I was trying to be a mechanic. And if I fixed your car, <laughs> I've tried a few things, and let me tell you, I was not graced to do them, okay? But there are other things I am graced to do. 
Verse 11. If anyone speaks, preaching, teaching, you know, your communication, that's a, you have a gift of communicating. If anyone speaks, he or she should do it as one speaking the very words of God. Man, if you've got the ability to speak, then hear from God. Know what He says and speak that. It'll bless everybody. Do it. If anyone serves, listen. Some people say, you know, I, I don't feel like there's... I just want to help. I mean, that's really all I... In my heart, it just seems like I want to help people. Well, that is a specific grace of God. It's not like God didn't give you anything. No, He gave you that. That's what's in your heart. If anyone speaks, okay, if anyone serves, he or she should do it with the strength God provides. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. What Jesus is doing in your life touches other people's lives and everybody is just praising God for what's happening. To Him be the glory and the power forever and ever. It's all that God will be glorified and He will flow through us. We get the privilege of being used by the Lord. We're not trying to put ourselves on a pedestal. God is on the pedestal, okay. And we're just serving. The love God has given you. It's enough. Well, pastor, you certainly don't know me. No, the love God has given you is enough. Well, I don't feel like I'm near as loving as some other people. I don't care. We're not comparing ourselves to other people. The love God has given you is enough. The pastor, it seems so small. It's okay. Use what you got. Use what you got. And as you use it, it increases. Don't wait. And I'm, just, I'm just not going to get involved in anything until I feel like I've got lots of love in my heart. No. Get involved. Do things. Make some mistakes. Say something you shouldn't say, then have to apologize for it later. It's all growing. It's, you know what I'm saying? It's all growing. Okay. You've been listening so well. <laughs> Let's finish this up. 2 Kings 4, 5-7, through 7, last part of our text. So they brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. I'm getting a little oil here. Were any of you wondering what these jars were for up here? Did that cross your mind at all? I'm going to take this jar, and I'm going to fill it. No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> the point simply is, there's a lot of needs But God says, what's in your house? Seem like a little? It's enough. It's enough to meet lots of needs. Look at this. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. Isn't it something? The oil flows when we're giving when there's needs being met. Once every need is met, the oil stopped. In this world, not every need will be met. Okay, We keep needing the oil. 
she went out and told the man of God and he said, go, sell the oil, pay your debts. You're not going to be in bondage. No child of mine is going to be in bondage. Pay your debt. And you and your sons can live on what's left. You'll be taken care of. So, the way I want to close the message, oh, here we go. Got to give you the outline. There was a great need, and maybe there's a great need in your life right now. The Lord would say, what's the neighbor got? No. What's the church got? No. What do you have in your house? Finances, even if they're small, make sure God's blessing is on them. Love may seem small, use it. What do you have in your house? Because what was in the house was able to meet the need. All the people that the Lord has brought together here, this is what's in the house. It's enough to meet the need. It's enough to touch lots of needs. And it's because God has put some gifts and abilities in you that He's going to use. Even if they seem small, just step out and be used in them. So how we're going to close the service is I'm just...